Today's show is sponsored by Okta. In these challenging times, we're all looking for simplicity, something that just works. The last thing you want to do is spend time building authentication for your new curbside pickup app. Because if you're spending time building your own authentication systems, it's time spent not making your customers happy. This is where Okta makes it simple. Okta's cloud-based authentication services are easy to set up, and they already integrate with the tools and applications you use today. Okta is trusted by companies like HPE, Splunk, CarMax, GitLab, and Cengage, plus many, many more. To take the hassle out of your authentication needs, visit okta.com cloud and learn how to get started today. That's okta.com cloud. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to 2021, everybody. We uh, we finally made it through 2020, the uh, 12, 15, 18 months of March that was uh, 2020. Glad to be through it. Uh, glad everybody is hopefully had a good holiday season, got through the new year, and uh, we're excited to bring you a whole new set of 2021 shows. This is our 10th year. Uh, actually, that was our 10th year uh, that we just finished. We're just finishing up 10 years of recording the show. Very excited to continue to bring it to you. And uh, really, we're going to kind of cut Cloud News of the Week short this week. There's not a whole lot that's been announced this week. Just a couple of things I want to kind of remind folks of. We have a great show coming up. We're going to really dig into um, some really interesting topics, our look-ahead shows for the month of January. But just a couple of things I want to remind folks of. If you are not uh, looking at the things that involve the uh, SolarWinds hack, please go look at that in your business. Make sure that uh, you're following all the best practices to get that patch. That seems like a very nasty thing. If you're not uh, working on that, we'll put some things in the show notes about that. Also, um, if you didn't get a chance to uh, maybe catch the year-end show that we did for 2020 and you're just picking up 2021, uh, one thing you will notice, um, we did include a show earlier in the week called Cloudcast Basics. That is a, a new series that we're going to do. They won't be in this feed every week. Uh, we just put it in for the one time. Uh, but that's a series of uh, sort of seasonal shows that Aaron and I are going to do to really help our community that wants to be new to, to uh, cloud computing. So if you could do us a favor, uh, if you could tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your colleagues, maybe tell your boss. Anybody who's new to cloud computing about Cloudcast Basics, they can get it. Just search for Cloudcast Basics anywhere that you get podcasts. You'll be able to find that. But uh, we're looking forward to putting that out. Uh, Season zero is out there. Season one will be out very soon. And then we will probably do those on a monthly basis. So with that, I'm going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week. Very excited to talk about hybrid and multi-cloud in our session coming up just in a second. And with that, we're going to get to the break. Today's show is sponsored by BMC. And BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? The A-game is when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. That's bmc.com slash A-game. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and traces from technologies like Istio, AppMesh, and Envoy. Plus, Datadog's service map automatically plots out the dependencies in your microservices architectures for seamless, context-rich troubleshooting. With rich visualizations, algorithmic alerting, and more than 250 vendor-supported integrations, Datadog allows you to monitor your distributed applications in real time. Start a free 14-day trial today by visiting datadog.com cloudcast and Datadog will send you a great free t-shirt. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. 
And we're back. And folks, it is good to be back in 2021. It's good to be back with everybody. And you know, as we've done for the last couple of years, we're going to start off this year with a, a series of shows in January for what we call look aheads. And we always try and pick some fairly big topics and we we try and grab some guests who we know have not only sort of uh, you know deep experience in these things, but also some some pretty hard-earned opinions about uh, you know where these big topics are going. So very excited today to not only talk about sort of hybrid and multi-cloud, but very excited to have friend of the show. Brandon Wichert, who is both product manager at DXC, but maybe just as importantly is co-host of Software Defined Talk, one of our favorite shows. Brandon, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Brian. Good to be back. Always be good to be back on the Cloudcast. Yeah, it's good to have you back. So before we dive into this uh, hybrid cloud thing, um, give us a little bit about uh, what you do sort of day job, why, why hybrid cloud impacts that. But you know, then also, where are you guys going with Software Defined Talk? Where can people find it? Uh, you know, where's, uh, where's all the goodness uh, from, from you and Matt and Cote? Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks again for having us on the show. And so, um, yeah, day job wise, I'm over at uh, GXC Technology and I am, uh, I think I am officially an offering manager because the product manager title, you know, that's been retired now. So uh, my day to day life is uh, I, I just spend time with uh, clients and customers basically trying to help them migrate to the cloud. So we just kind of think of it as you have uh, workloads, infrastructure residing anywhere, could be your old data centers, could be public clouds, could be anywhere in the world. And we spend a lot of time trying to figure out and help those clients move those workloads to wherever they want it to go. So that can be on-premise still, in, in VMware, it could be to all the major hyper, hyperscalers, you know, AWS, Google, things like that. So uh, we spend a lot of time talking to clients about what they're doing, always learn about all the crazy environments. And then hopefully, if we're successful, we give them some good advice about how to get those workloads uh, where they want them to go. So always a fun place to, to work. Always exciting things happening. Yeah. And then on uh, software defined talk, yeah, as you said, um, you know, definitely a podcast. I don't know where we're going. I don't think we ever necessarily have a plan, but we <laughs> we do do shows weekly. Um, I think uh, Cloudcast, right? Cloudcast maybe owns your Wednesdays, but hopefully one day a uh, software defined talk for all your listeners can own own your Fridays. So that's a weekly roundup uh, with me and my two co-hosts of all the news in uh, cloud enterprise technology, and then uh, quite a bit of nonsense as well. So if you're looking for another podcast on Fridays, check it out. Yeah. Well, and you guys, you guys have a, a couple of unique aspects. One, you're in three different continents, so there's always a, an international flavor to it. And then, you know, Matt Ray comes from, from the automation world and, and well, sort of the, the tinkering with everything world. Cote comes from the application and, and culture and DevOps world. And then you come from sort of a lot of security and identity management. So you guys always have a kind of a broad perspective on, uh, on all the stuff. So it's always, it's always a good listen. We re- highly recommend it. Um, Let's let's dive into this hybrid cloud thing. Uh, you know, it's weird. So ten years ago, you know, every hardware and software vendor that was out there was kind of using hybrid cloud for two reasons. One, I think they were using it to kind of buffer this kind of nascent pending public cloud thing, right? This idea that you know everybody's going to kind of get out of their data center, and and then they were using it, you know, as a as a reality thing, which was you know people aren't going to move all of their applications out of their data centers for for any you know, anytime soon, right? And this is, again, goes 10 years back. The public cloud pushed back on this really hard. It was, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't say hybrid cloud in an AWS <laughs> event. You couldn't mention those sort of things. And then this year at, at reInvent, you know, the, the, the two magic words came out. Hybrid cloud became a real thing. So like, wh- where are we? How did we get from, you know, 10 years ago, it was half the industry bought into it. And now, you know, all the public cloud providers are buying into it. Like what's, how have we gotten to where we are? 
Yeah, well, I think that's an excellent, you know, question. And I think what you hit on there is I think we have to start with uh, Andy Jassy, right? Of course, the GM CEO of AWS. And uh, as I like to refer to him as the uh, the Nick Saban of cloud computing. So uh, Nick Saban being uh, the famous Alabama football coach uh, yeah. here in the U.S. And, and the reason I say that is... Uh, Nick Saban, we won't, I will not belabor this uh, sports metaphor too much longer, but I'll just say Nick Saban used to just be from the theater, play good defense and, you know, you'd win national championships. But a few years ago, he learned and even he relented that he needs to have a great offense. And of course, now he's, he's embraced that. And I think, you know, Andy Jassy has had a, an equal epiphany, if I, uh, if I may say so, is that, and I actually went back and I looked at um, his quote when he was introducing hybrid cloud in this year's keynote, right? And he said, uh, quote, the vast majority of companies in the fullness of time <laughs> will not have their own data centers. And I think that is quite the, the change from uh, just a few years ago, where it's like, hey, there's only public cloud. Anybody that's thinking about doing anything else is crazy. But even AWS, even Andy Jassy has acknowledged that, yes, there definitely is a place for on-premise infrastructure for lots of reasons. And uh, I think even this quote about the fullness of time, I just think is somewhat funny. It's like, well, given infinite time, like almost anything is possible. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you know, really where we are today, and I think kind of setting the stage for a lot of this conversation is like, hey, it has to start with the conversation. And even Jassy kind of references this, is that the world is largely virtualized. Most of today's workloads today are running in some form of VMware. And that, you know, when I talk to clients, most of the time, that's always where we're starting. It's something like I have this amount of VMs and they're running these types of applications. What should I do? And I think that's typically where every uh, customer starts with today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. And it's and it it sort of falls into typically when I talk to people, it's one of three buckets, right? It's uh, the thing that's the thing that's driving all of our meetings these days is. Uh, reduce cost, right? So, so maybe we get out of the cloud, or we we get into the cloud because we think you know that's going to reduce cost because we're going to be paying, you know, now numbers that start at cents per hour, right? And people generally can't do the math in their head, so they just assume that's cheaper. The the second one is like, you know, there's a mandate that we have to go cloud first, right? So there's yep. some reason to do it. There's a regulatory reason. There's whatever. And then the third one, which gets all the headlines, but typically is the smallest amount of the spend, is we got to build something new, right? Not migrate, not, you know, modernize, but like we got to build something new and we'd like to take advantage of this innovation that happens to be in the cloud. And so we're not even thinking about, you know, the old stuff anymore. Like we're this separate group. Like, do you find other buckets than those or are those typically the buckets you find that, that people have to deal I think, with? I think that's generally true. I think you, you also can throw in some other ones is just, you know, we have, um, you know, the number one reason I think a lot of times people are just trying to do any type of migration is the thing they're running has about to run out of support, like, yeah. you know, Microsoft Windows. And it's like, you know, they just haven't done anything. So that's like, you know, that isn't so much a strategic decision as it is more like, oh, my gosh, we just find out that it's finally over. They're finally not even going to let us pay more money for support. And then I think you always have the, the mainframe, right? You always have that right. sitting out there too um, with some legacy applications that are truly legacy, like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years old that people are always trying to figure out what do we do next with. But, you know, all of these conversations, and I think you hit on it first, is like many times people will say something like, oh, we'll just, we'll take all these VMs. And sometimes they like to, you know, we like to call it rehost, but sometimes we'll call it lift and shift. And they'll say something like, well, you know, that's what they often think they want. They're like, we'll just move all of this to, um, you know, one of the public cloud providers and it will just, it'll be great because our CIOs all, all over us to like move to the cloud. 
Um, and whenever they do that, I always, I must have this conversation once a week. I always tell them like, all right, if we do this, it is almost surely going to cost you more money. I just want you to know that going in because we've had multiple clients do it and then they get like that sticker shack, right? And the reason is most of the time is they're in a rush and they haven't had the chance to rationalize those workloads. So that's like, I think is like the, the most common mistake today is someone saying, I just want to embrace the public cloud. Maybe they watch the AWS keynote and they're like, this is it. This is what we have to do. Um, but you mentioned it there, you know, cents per day or cents per minute, however you want to bill it. Uh, it actually turns out that it, it actually racks up quite quickly. It does bills get very, very large and it's, it can be shocking to customers. So that's like, to me, that's every conversation I always say, have you really thought it through? And especially, can, you know, telling them like, we probably don't want to move everything at once. And we probably want to look at each one of these workloads very carefully before we just start throwing it up on the public cloud. And you call me <laughs> all upset that I told you to do that. Right. Well, and it's it, and it, you you know you also realize that there's like the the cloud makes this assumption that you're sort of aware of everything that impacts your application or that your your infrastructure, and you start realizing like yeah when I when I put applications in my data center, I don't necessarily think about how much the network costs. I don't necessarily think about WAN costs or internet costs or whatever. I just go. I bought some servers. I bought some storage. I plug them in. I, you know, I wrestle with somebody over IP addresses, but I don't worry about it. And, you know, and then you just, you hear horror stories and I don't want to turn this into a, you know, bash the public cloud thing, but like you do, you hear these stories of like, oh, we had no idea that, you know, routing traffic between availability zones costs money, or we had no idea that, you know, leaving, leaving this GPU on for a week was going to be this enormous number. So yeah, it's uh, it, there's a reason why there's an entire industry of people that are, you know, either cloud uh, cost management companies or cloud economists <laughs> right. or any of those sort of things. Like it's, it's a real thing. So yeah. And I think you're kind of going back to your original question, right? It's like, and I think, you know, the, the case where it makes a lot of sense is what you were talking about before. It's like, if you have never, if something is really is greenfield or very small, you have a very small application, you're just trying to figure it out. Or you yourself are a very small company and you're building something new. In most of those cases, like that is, that's probably the case that when we think of cloud computing, that's like when we mentally like actually envision someone, we probably think of like a small group doing something really quickly, building an application. We also yep. think like customer facing. It's like absolutely all of the all of the public clouds. Like right. they they're gonna give you so many advantages from availability, from thinking of all the things you haven't thought about, security, all the tools, all the ability to scale up and scale down. And a hundred percent, I would, you know, I'd tell anyone, if you're just building some small application on the side, or even you're a relatively small company, or you don't think of yourself as like IT isn't a major function, you're just looking to find a simple way to do it. That's the place. And I think that's the majority of our conversations are, of course, like the world that we sit in a lot is, you know, for people that are lucky enough to be building large applications and want to use multi, um, you know, multi-tenant microservices and are very ingrained in Kubernetes. Okay. Again, that's another place that obviously, you know, the, the public cloud is going to make a lot of sense. But, you know, kind of back to the even Jassy's opening comments this year, I think were something like, you know, I think he said something like 5% of today's workloads exist in the public cloud. Right. And what he's not, I think to fill in the other 95%, it's not 95% of the workloads of small companies <laughs> building new apps or like being done on premise. It's like, no, 95% of those apps exist in very large corporations likely running on you know traditional infrastructure mainframe vmware all the things we know and love and most of those applications are going to be difficult to move i mean that's kind of the other part of that right. sentence that people right. don't forget and it's, that's why it isn't going to happen overnight right like i think sometimes when he says that it's just like oh it'll just keep ticking down it's like no every percentage point down 
those applications get more and more complicated to move. Hence, that's why they stay where they are. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not porting your cell phone number. It's not, you know, moving your 401k. It's like, you know, it's moving <laughs> to a different country kind of difficult sometimes. And, uh, so I, here, here's the other thing that I, you know, that now that we're, you know, li- literally a decade into sort of talking about this thing, um, you've talked about it in various places that you, you sort of live with it. What are, what are some of the, you know, three or four big misconceptions that, that you still hear people, you know, assuming are going to happen if they go, we're going to do hybrid or multi-cloud or, you know, like that, that's the approach we're trying to take. Like, what do you find people stumble with beyond the, Hey, we, we put it in there. It's expensive, but like, what are these, you know, you still like, like for, for example, like I, I hear this misperception all the time that, you know, 10 years in people are still like, yeah, we're going to burst into the cloud. We're going to kind of just use the dynamic stuff. We're going to burst applications. And I'm like, all right, that, that doesn't happen anywhere ever. Like it's, it's sort of like, that's sort of like the Bigfoot <laughs> This thing. magic elasticity. It's yeah, not just yeah, happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what do you, what do you find sometimes that you're just like, you want to stop people in the middle of their sentence and go, you're not going to get that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, cost, we already hit on that one. So we won't believe, but that's, I think that's one. And that's the far, that's like way, way ahead. I think people always think they're going to save more money than they can. Two is, is really the, the learning curve, right? I think that's the next thing. It's like, you know, people um, like, let's just take VMware, right? You know, the, VMware has a passionate set of users that love VMware and are so familiar with the VMware consoles and VMware, very complicated uh, product, very powerful, of course, but people have invested, you know, I mean, think about 10 years, maybe even longer, like right. their whole career is becoming experts in this. And so when you tell somebody, okay, we're going to move this over to any of the public clouds, it just requires you know, just like you have to be really smart and have to really have taken some time to learn VMware. It's the same thing with all of the public cloud providers. Like they all have very robust certification programs. When you get into them and you're trying to do really production level things, you know, the AWS console, you know, specifically, right? I mean, that is, um, you know, it's it's both the most powerful thing that exists today and it's probably the most complicated one, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a huge thing when people get into it. Um, they either underestimate like, oh, I'll just get in there and I'll just, you know, figure out how to do it. Or they haven't accounted for like, I need to hire people just like I hired a VMware expert, right? I need to have AWS uh, experts on hand, whether that be the people they build in house, they can contract with employees like, you know, my employer would certainly be there to help you. You know, lots of other managed service providers would be out there to help you as well. Um, But I think that's a huge thing that people just don't understand the learning curve that's about to go into it. So it's a huge thing that I think people need to take advantage of. Yeah, I, I think the last one that I hear a lot is is they go, well, we're gonna we're gonna use a bunch of the clouds, which is you know a perfectly valid thing. Like you may be maybe using Azure for like Office three sixty five or uh, you know Teams or something. You may use AWS for stuff. You may use whatever. And and there's sort of this belief that or this conversation a lot of times of like we're just gonna move apps between them, like the old sort of arbitrage idea. And and the thing I always come back to people is I go. Okay, like that that might happen and and that thinking might have happened when you had sort of these very centralized groups who, you know, half of what they did was a technology decision, half was like vendor management, cost management. But now things are pretty distributed. Like, you know, the finance group will make their own decisions and marketing makes their own decisions and, you know, go to, you know, sales does. Like I, I tend to tell people like the thing you ought to think about in terms of hybrid or, you know, multi or the way you you call your cloud thing is like can you be consistent like in your process, right? Like, can you, you know, if you're going to have CI and CD pipelines, can you be consistent there? Can you build some sort of consistent way of doing security and auditing? And then, you know, if you end up being an AWS or you end up being an Azure or you end up being somewhere else, like 
those might be movable, but like, don't get yourself into this idea that they're just, you know, completely exactly the same. Like that, that <laughs> tends to be tend to sort of a problem. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think the, the most popular use case that often gets talked about that I think in, in reality is, is very, very, uh, um, limited in how many times it actually happens is the idea that like, you're going to move the same exact workload. You're in the same, you know, for one application, you move that workload, you're just going to kind of move it around wherever it's, you know, the cheapest quote unquote opt to optimize cost. Right. I think that is probably the use case that is often cited, almost never used, and probably is not really a good goal. Like the, the place of multi-cloud, like what I think people would actually see, like, and you were alluding to it before was uh, multi-cloud is like very large or, uh, organizations of all kinds will end up picking you know, different providers just for different things, just yep. based on preference, because there's some specific thing that they're trying to do. And they feel like one specific uh, of the public cloud providers is better at. Sometimes that's geographic location. Sometimes that's relationships. Sometimes that's contracting. Yeah, sometimes they, it's a they very they specific piece somebody. of technology. Yeah. Um, and especially like the databases and stuff like that. Right. If you're going to stay with SQL Server, right? Like maybe you're probably going to go Azure SQL, right? Or, right. you know, vice versa, if something else. So, um, that's multi-cloud, right? And I talk to clients all the time, all the time that are talking to me and they'll tell me like one group is doing this and one group is doing that and they're using different ones. And then that's what they do. The ones that are smart about it are just focused in on like, Hey, we just have to have a common way to manage all of this. We're not going to, if you will, mandate everybody pick one, uh, one cloud provider. Now some, it's nice when that happens, but you get in any t relatively large organization out there, you're going to find a couple different clouds, if not all the major cloud providers um, represented in some way. Right, right. Yeah. Well, at some point, you know, that, that's how your data centers look today. That's very likely what your your cloud choices will look like in the future too. There's <laughs> there's a reason people. It's like monitoring. Stuff. At some point, you have all the monitoring tools, that's, and it is right. true. You will one day have maybe all the clouds. Yep. Uh, you know, like so. In in terms of sort of you know what's you know so so certain things have, have worked relatively well. Right. Like so, you know, you can go to most vendors today, uh, whether they're cloud providers or they're software vendors or whatever, and you can say, hey, look. Um, you know, I, I want to get your technology somewhat consistent between using running it in the public cloud, whether it's I deploy the software or it's a managed service or what I can get on prem, and like that that consistency thing is is fairly far along, right? It's relatively mature. But like, what are some of the areas that if you know if you're looking at you know hybrid or multi cloud and you're going like these are the other big gaps, right? So like, I know you spend a lot of time around identity management and security. And so like, what are some of those areas where you're like, these things are pretty good, but over here is still either landmines or, you know, uncharted territory. Well, I think, you know, all the providers are pretty much, you know, if you think about it, compute, storage, networking, or just, you know, we'll lump all that together and call that infrastructure as a service. You know, all the top public cloud providers, I think they have figured that out. It's going to work you know, they would all say they have distinct differences and they do, but generally that is the cornerstone of all of these offerings at this point. Where you start to see things get, you know, more complicated is when people want to step up and start taking advantage of different services and it can be anything, right? Like everything from, you know, AWS is a very specific identity and access management kind of structure, right? So depending on, you know, what you're trying to do, it can probably be done with AWS, but it probably is going to require you to think of IAM in a different way. Um, same thing with all of the Kubernetes services, right? You know, so ECS, EKS, all of this stuff, GKE, um, they're all like nuanced in how they actually work. So, and then of course, in the database side, right? All of the providers have some type of, you know, hosted database offering that all will claim 
that they're uh, defeating Oracle, right? Because Oracle yeah. is the big um, bad uh, wolf in that in that uh, world, right? But of course, Oracle, who often is the centerpiece of getting you know beat on in these things, is like the Oracle databases has an incredible amount of intellectual property inside of them that people tend to like want can overlook, right? It's like it's not so easy to just move off that for Postgres. So when you get into all of these areas and you say I want to move everything, it's sort of that next level up, you know, databases some of the specific services, you know, everyone's about AI now. That's a really immature area to me, right? It's sort of like still being figured out. And that's where I think, you know, clients that want to take advantage of a specific type of service for their industry, for their specific applications, if they're going to spend time doing proof of concepts and really figuring out what they want, I always advise them that's the place you really need to vet out because these services, while they're new and while they're moving fast, a lot of them are not complete, right? And they're, they're missing a lot of different things. So if you haven't gone through and vetted out one of those higher level services, you can find yourself, you know, having done the migration and then you get there and be very disappointed that something isn't supported or isn't on the roadmap. So that's the area that I, you know, if caution customers look very closely at any of these services that you're going to be heavily dependent on. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I think <clears throat> the other thing, and, and, you know, we always sort of gloss over it is, um, you know, if, if, if you're starting off and you're doing architecture, you, you have to have a little bit of awareness of like, okay, how does AWS work? And then maybe that's your baseline or how does Azure work? That's your baseline. And then you've got to do a little bit of homework of like, uh, you know, how much different is their other serve, you know, their, their sort of comparable service if your goal at some point is to be like, I'm going to use more than one of them, right? Because it's, you know, do you treat them really vanilla or, you know, like you said, you know, can you can you dive into them and really get the benefits of kind of the advanced capabilities and features? And, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to do it right away, but it is worth sort of having some of that kind of cross, cross-functional, cross-cloud knowledge as, as it's going along. Um, last question, I'm going to kind of wrap up because I know we're, we're running a little bit out of time. What do you see as, as stuff that if, you know, if somebody said, hey, we're, we're moving along, we're making some progress, you know, what are the big areas that kind of need to get improved, uh, you know, in this sort of multi-cloud area? And, and, and it doesn't necessarily just need to be sort of the big three clouds. Like, is it, is it things like, you know, better ability to integrate with SaaS applications if they're going to be part of your thing or, you know, API management or other stuff? Like, what areas do you find that you're like, man, I wish this whole area just, you know, somebody would come in and be the, I don't know, the Tesla of this space because it just needs a kind of an over, you know, a rethink or a redo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's a, there's definitely plenty of opportunity there. I think, you know, it's less about maybe one specific area. I think it's more around um, rethinking how, what we think about multi-cloud and rethinking kind of like all of these applications. So, you know, we talked there's been a lot of talk about serverless or functions. And I, I think, you know, I've heard you talk, say this and I've heard others say, it, and I've started to use the phrase, you know, event driven architecture, yeah. right? So this idea that, Hey, if we can get to the point that when we build new applications that are primarily just, you know, throwing off some event, and we can throw that event out and we can assume that somebody else that wants that event can listen to it. And then they can take some type of, you know, action off it, right? That is really where I think, you know, you know, we're going to see the potential to do some of the things that we've been talking about in the cloud, the idea that you can scale up and down, right? But that's all predicated on people building applications, kind of thinking event-driven architecture first, rather than kind of this hard-coded, you know, like a, a PO, like I, I process the payment, then I send a, I call, make a call into inventory, and the inventory makes a call into like shipping, right? The idea that like, let's make all of these things events, because as we kind of look forward 
that basis of integration, if you think about, hey, I can throw on an event and I can have that trigger an action. Maybe that's an action that's, you know, sitting somewhere like an OpenShift, sitting somewhere in a VMware, sitting somewhere on Azure GCP, on uh, things like that. Like that's the world I think we all want to work in. The idea that like, oh, you know, I can just receive events. If I'm built around that, then I do have a, the ability to, if you will, scale up and down. As events come in, I, you know, scale up my infrastructure. I do a bunch of processing. And then when um, when I'm done, right, I can scale down that infrastructure. So as we kind of think about, you know, it's like almost the last 10 years have been like recreating the entire data center inside of all of these clouds. And I think when you listen to AWS and others, that's really what they talk about. But where we actually want to go is kind of this event-driven architecture. And I think, you know, whether it's called serverless or Lambda or functions, it's really for most applications, I think when you get outside of like, you know, gaming and streaming and like processing weather data and all that kind of stuff, outside of these kind of those, those kind of niche applications, event-driven architectures are the way forward, right? This is that dream that like I process, I do some type of business function, I hand off to someone else and I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's on-premise in another cloud or something along those lines. So I kind of think in the next five years or whatever, that's where we're going to see a lot of build out, making that, if you will, that dream become possible. Yeah. Well, and I think you, you, and I know you've talked about it a lot. You've been sort of becoming a convert to the, the serverless and event-driven space. Um, I mean, it it does really hit on a couple of things, right? Like the, the whole serverless space or, you know, functions as a service, you know, is sort of the first time that we truly get, you know, on-demand cloud computing and pay for it, just what you use. So, I mean, like, it's taken us 10 years. We're now at that point. And then you think about, like, what the event-driven stuff is is really ultimately doing. It's it's basically saying, like, look, you know, we used to have to do things like batch because it was just, it would have been really expensive to send all this data or to, you know, process a bunch of stuff. Well, now those cost sort of limitations have, have gone away. I can do stuff in more real time. There's stuff like Kafka, which just makes it easy. You know, like, so... Those things that used to drive us to the old architectures weren't bad at the time. They just were the limitations of what we had. Now there's these things now that allow us to do it at scale and at reasonable cost. And, you know, people are impatient and they want stuff, you know, all the time, 24-7. So, yeah, I think that's that's a that's a really good sort of outlook. It, coincidentally, and I didn't mean to set you up for the question this way, I think next week's show we're actually going to do around event-driven stuff. So we'll, we'll dive into that uh, in a little more detail. Hey, let me ask you one last question because uh, you know one of the things that, that you guys do on your show that I like all the time is uh, you talk about Legacy Conf, which is the uh, the uh, the <laughs> imaginary event that you guys are going to host at some point with all the stuff that nobody likes to talk about but runs everybody's <laughs> business. Anything uh, anything getting a new track this year for Legacy Conf that you guys can see? Uh, you know, is VDI getting a track, or is uh, you know is <laughs> is there a new Windows version getting a track at Legacy Conf this year? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. Um, I don't know, like new tracks, things are coming out. I don't know. Maybe we'd have to like you know start to throw in our Mesosphere or DockerCon. I don't know. Those are still maybe yeah, too Docker still new. But, at this point. but but uh, yeah, I mean I would say you know maybe that's the thing we need to look at is like some of the early um, you know container orchestration attempts and uh, you know the very early stuff like that would probably I don't know. It's I don't know if it's it's kind of like a Hall of Fame. I don't know if it's been retired for five years, but we would maybe be looking at that, like Docker Swarm and other things. Uh, um, but it is funny, right? You know, today's uh, you know hot new technology, all the things we're just talking about, right? You know, it's as you as you know, and as everyone listening to this knows, like it doesn't you know it doesn't take that long to feel old. Like you think five years ago, you're like, oh, a lot of that stuff we don't even worry about anymore. But uh, it stays on forever, as we always joke about legacy conf. It never really dies. It's it's uh, you know Flash finally retired after all this year, all this time. It's finally over for Flash, but that took probably a decade in the making. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was they were going to kill it off with the original iPhone, and it took what ten years. So, <laughs> yep. boys and girls, if you're new to this stuff, uh, you know, any anything that you're working on now will be around for a very long time. It's like uh, it's like cockroaches and Twinkies and stuff. It just never dies. <laughs> So, Amen. Well, well cool. Well, Brandon, uh, as always, it's great to have you on. Thank you for, uh, you know, kind of going around the world with us around uh, hybrid cloud and uh, give a plug for uh, where folks can find, uh, you know, you're obviously not going out to events, but like, where can they find software to find talk and, uh, you know, kind of catch up with what you're doing? Yeah, well, just uh, everyone go, uh, go in your podcast player right now, go search for software to find talk. Uh, like I said, we release a show every day. I'm sorry, not every day, every, <laughs> once a week on Fridays. And you can go out to uh, www.softwaredefinedtalk.com. There you can do everything. You can subscribe to our podcast. You can join us in Slack where we talk about all this stuff and other nonsense. Uh, you can even send me an email at uh, stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Send me your postal address and I'll send you back some stickers for Software Defined Talk. So come check us out. Join the community. Good stuff. Good stuff as always. And uh, folks, as always, thanks for listening to this show. And hopefully you've had a chance to uh, maybe tell your friends about the new one. We started uh, Cloudcast Basics. Uh, That's over on all the podcast players these days and cloudcastbasics.net if you want to kind of introduce some people to cloud computing that uh, are new to it. We'd appreciate it if you tell a friend. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up for myself and Aaron. Again, thank you to Brandon. Folks, uh, as always, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 